Thanks for listening to the Sermons Podcast by Calvary Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Harrisville, Pennsylvania. Our purpose is to spread the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about us, check us out at harrisvilleopc.org. The three texts I'd like to read. Focus, uh, focusing in a general way uh, today, this morning, and uh, getting in more specific way, uh, perhaps a little more practical as well. Next time, I discovered that. I will not be able to get through uh, everything I wanted to in just one message. So, I have two. This is part one. But I'm going to read from Ezekiel chapter 11 first, verses 14 through 20, then Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 14, and then Colossians chapter 3, 1 to 11. And like I said before, uh, drinking in public like this is rude. But sometimes it's necessary, and I'm not very proud of this. <laughs> but I want to make sure that my, uh, my voice holds out. Not that I'm losing it, I'm gaining it better, but uh, you know, there's a little tickle there for some reason. But this uh, first reading from the Old Testament in Ezekiel's chapter 11 comes from chapter 11, beginning at verse 14, and I'll read through verse 20. Hear God's word from the prophet, through the prophet Ezekiel, to the people of God at that time, the Jews, who were... Uh, taken into captivity for 70 years as a result of their sinfulness. Ezekiel says, Again, the word of the Lord. Notice it is the word of the Lord. So Ezekiel is cognizant of, of that, and so are the people, that this is God's word. This is not just an opinion of some scholar or prophet in this case. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, thy brethren, even thy brethren, the men of thy kindred, and all the house of Israel holy, are they unto whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, Get you far from the Lord unto us in this land, given possession. Therefore say, Thus saith the Lord God, although I have cast them far off among the heathen, and although I have scattered them among the countries, yet will I be to them as a little sanctuary in the countries where they shall come. Therefore say, thus saith the Lord God, I will even gather you from the people and assemble you out of the countries 
where ye have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And they shall come thither, and they shall take away all the detestable things thereof, and all the abominations thereof from thence, and I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh, and will give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep mine ordinances and do them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. So a very positive word to a people that were led astray by the evil one and in sin, deplorable sin, and uh, but are now going to be uh, brought back after 70 years of captivity, brought back to their own land. Now, going to uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 17 uh, through 24 of Ephesians chapter 4. Hear God's word from the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians in chapter 4, beginning with verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be ye renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which is after God, is created in righteousness and true holiness. And then Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Hmm. Wherefore there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision 
nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. May God bless the reading of his holy word. Again, Heavenly Lord Jesus, we are thankful for your word. Your word is truth so much to these scriptures that we have heard can't possibly uh, contemplate everything that you have said, but we are going to focus on uh, on one thing in particular that is common in both the old and new, yet termed differently. Uh, and we pray, Heavenly Father, that we would learn some more how to be your sons and daughters uh, in a world that is full of wickedness, idolatry, and sin. Heavenly Father, help us to, uh, to believe and to uh, do those things that are pleasing in thy sight. Through faith in Jesus Christ, uh, make us wholesome before you this day. In his name we pray, amen. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard me sing, and I don't want to uh, do that to you, but uh, there is this song that uh, used to go, what, uh, what the world needs now is love, sweet love, and that's the only thing. There is just too little love. I don't know if you've ever heard those words. How about the Beatles saying, all you need is love, love, love is all you need. All you need is love, love, love is all you need. All you need is love, love, love is all you need. But for the sake of the truth, I will modify these musical expressions saying, what the world needs now is a new heart. And all they need, all you need, is a new heart, a new man. And that is the theme of this morning's uh, message, and that is uh, prescribed to us by both the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel in mainly chapters 11 and six and 36. We just heard from uh, chapter 11 there, and also from the Apostle Paul in uh, Romans, I mean in uh, Ephesians and Colossians, although in other places as well. I'm going to get to that in a little bit. But uh, there are a number of terms in these texts that may cause some confusion. In Ezekiel 11, uh, for example, uh, God reveals his will to his people, the remnant saved by grace. In uh, verse 19, he says, uh, and I will give them one heart. So there's that one heart there. And I will put a new spirit within you. There's a new spirit. So obviously the heart and the spirit kind of go together. And then he's going to take away the stony heart and uh, give them a heart of flesh. There are like four different terms there, but they all relate, don't they? It's pretty obvious they do. And, and there are a number of things more to unpack. And if I were to stay with Ezekiel in chapters 11 and 36 to unpack all of it, uh, I might talk much more about it, but I just, for our purposes this morning, I wish to say uh, three things about the stony heart versus the heart of flesh. <clears throat> hmm. 
Uh, the stony heart was what landed the Jews in captivity for 70 years to the Babylonians under Nebuchadnezzar. The uh, stony heart caused the uh, people to set up altars to false gods and to adopt the practices and the customs of the surrounding cultures, much like we Christians sometimes do. They were adapting themselves to the culture. And that's why we have to teach our children, well, not to do that uh, in, uh, in ways that are sinful and wrong, to distinguish between what is good to do, culturally sound and proper and okay, by the standards that are set in the scriptures, and that which is not. But I think as parents and grandparents, we don't really do that. We, we, cause we have compromised ourselves in many cases, in many ways with the culture. We think that it's just the way it is. And we need to be a little more circumspect when it comes to those things. And for the sake of our children and grandchildren. I mean, we say we love them, right? We care about them. They're Christians. They're to be raised as Christians. Believers, that's different than what the world's emphasizing. Certainly, what the social media platforms these days are display. So, anyway, they were people that were thrust into the gross idolatry of the cultures that surrounded them. Uh, can a child of God harden his heart to stone? Hmm. Certainly a child of God before his conversion, dead in trespass and sin, has a heart of stone towards the living God. Some argue that a hard heart can be hardened further, like a conscience can be calloused and even dead due to uh, sin, sin, sin by degree, right? We have a lot of sociopaths in our nation's capital. Believe me, that's what they are. They are sociopaths. That's why they do the things they do, and they don't care a whit. They don't know how to care. Their emotions are messed up because they are sociopathic. Sociopaths are made. Psychopaths are natural. That's, that's something chemical and all that. Sociopaths are made, and usually by decree, one degree at a time. And uh, the, oftentimes the analogy is used of the, uh, of, that comes from aviation called the 160 rule. Have you ever heard of the 160 rule? Uh, consider, uh, consider a flight from New York to L.A., 3,000 miles approximately. If a plane is off course by one degree, just off course by just one degree, Every 60 miles, it will be a mile away from the course. And so a plane uh, will be found on a flight from New York to L.A., 3,000 miles, off course by just one degree. 
will be 50 miles off of the L.A. landing field by the time it arrives. If it's just off course by one degree, it's called the 160 rule. For every 60 miles, one mile off course. 3,000 miles will be 50. Two degrees, 100 miles off course. Three degrees, 150 miles off course. And that's the way uh, the 160 rule works. Well, in a way, it's the way sin works with us. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 5, verses 6 and 7, where he points out, do you not know that a little leaven works for the whole lump? He was not talking about uh, dough and yeast. He was speaking about sin. A little bit of sin works through the whole person. It spreads through the whole and so a germ of sin will multiply and make you sick if not treated with the cure, and the cure is repentance. The grace of repentance is the cure for sin. And if you don't exercise repentance, young people and old as well, but young people in particular, you do not identify your sin, and you do not exercise the cure, you do not take the cure for sin, which is the grace of repentance, your sin is going to spread. And it's going to get worse and worse for you. So that's the one thing that we want to note uh, from this uh, this text in the new heart and the the old the uh, old heart, the heart of stone and the heart of flesh. The second thing that God takes uh, t- takes away is the stony heart out of their flesh and gives them a heart of flesh. The prophet says in verse nineteen chapter 11, changing a hard heart to a soft heart. Now, let me ask you, did the people pray for this? Were the people asking the Lord to give them a heart of flesh? And the answer is absolutely, positively not. They were being led in a wrong direction, becoming stone-cold idolaters. Their hearts were stone. They were stone-cold to this stuff. They weren't praying, give me a heart of flesh, Lord. Please give me a heart of flesh. Renew my heart and make me whole. They weren't praying that way. They were steep, deep in idolatry. So they weren't praying for that. God intervened to change their hearts, converting them to be a people for God, as he said. They will, I will be their God, they shall be my people. God made it happen, right? Quite apart from their will, his will was done. And that's the way it is all the time with every single solitary conversion. You first must be born again by the power of the Holy Spirit before you are made willing to repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may, in your unsaved state, uh, you may will many, many things, but you cannot will. It is impossible to will your own salvation, apart from God's grace. We love him because he first loved us. We believe in him because he had chosen us. Furthermore, 
this conversion of the heart from stone to flesh, freed them from idolatry, right? The Jews saved would never again carve out such idols in their whole history. They will never again do it. This is the end of it. Not for worship. And by the way, the use of the word flesh in verse 19 of Ezekiel chapter 11 does not carry with it a negative connotation as it does in other places in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, right? The word flesh is often associated with, uh, with some negative nature, a, a bad nature, a sinful nature. But in this case, it's a good one. It's a good association. Uh, the teaching of cleansing, new heart, new spirit, that all anticipates the prophet Ezekiel in chapter 11 and also in chapter 36 anticipates the New Testament teaching expressed in several slightly different ways using different terms implying a similar idea or a similar truth but adding a bit more dimension to it as well. So there are different terms. They have nuance uh, of meaning but they have a similar idea. Uh, Reverend uh, Mc, uh, McEwen in an article he wrote entitled Conversion, the New Man, uh, reports the term new man appears only in the New Testament and never in the Old. So you don't, you're not going to see it in the Old Testament. But both reference to, ref, references to new man appear in the letters of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24, as we just heard, and Colossians 3, verse 10. And that's where the new man appears uh, and the, there are synonyms uh, for the new man, but the same idea, essentially the same idea. Three times Paul uses the terms the uh, inward man or the inner man, those two terms. Again, they carry with it the same idea in Romans chapter, 22, uh, chapter 7, verse 22, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, and Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. And since we've, we're in Ephesians, uh, you, you see here in chapter 4, verse 24, that we are to put on the new man. In chapter 3, verse 16, he says, but <clears throat> that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Similar, ter uh, similar idea, though different terms, uh, some nuance of meaning I'm not going to get into right now, some nuance of difference, but uh, essentially the same thing, same idea, the inner man, the new man, the fleshly heart, the new heart, the new spirit, all these things have, have uh, they, they overlap, and they suggest a similar thing. And uh, Peter uses the term, hidden, hidden man. In uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price. So Peter uses hidden man, which is not corruptible, which is incorruptible. And so you, you can see that there's, there's, slightly, there's some slight differences in the use of the terms, and, uh, and it, it kind of adds to the dimension of it, because it's such a rich teaching, uh, this, this 
this teaching of a fleshly heart given by God. Remember, the people didn't ask for it. He gave it to them. A new heart, a new spirit, a new mind, a new man, an inner man, an inward man, a hidden man. They, they all have similar meaning and yet add dimension and richness to this teaching because it is a teaching that has some mystery to it. What are we talking about? The inner man, the inward man, the new man. What, 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 what does that mean? So you're talking about, we're talking spiritual language. And there is a mysterious operation going on of the Holy Spirit for the people of God. The Belgian Confession even says that we are a new man. We believe in this in Article 24 of the Belgian Confession. We believe that this true faith being wrought in man by the hearing of the word of God and the operation of the Holy Ghost doth regenerate and make him a new man, causing him to live a new life, freeing him from the bondage of sin. And so notice that the Belgian Confession associates regeneration, being born again, conversion, if you will, with the making of the new man. The Spirit of God makes a new man. That The Spirit of God makes you born again, a new person. This implies that unbelievers cannot be said to be made New men, new women. One must be born again to be made a new man, as well as being conformed to the image of Christ. And let us as well resist the urge to think that God, through the act of regeneration, adds a third part to the humanity of believers called a new man or an inner man, right? Uh, from creation, man is bipartite, right? He's two parts, made a body and a soul. The soul is the animating force of life within us. So God is not adding a third part to us, like so we're, we're, we become some sort of superhumanity or different humans, because now we have a third part, although some do believe that. Because Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23 says uh, that he, he wants us to be renewed wholly in our spirit, in our body, and in our soul. So some do argue that we're tripod. And, uh, but, but that's not from the creation. It's clearly not in, the, uh, in Genesis when man was created both with a body and a soul, a life force, an animating force of life. Uh, and that, that even animals are called living souls in Genesis because that's what life is. That's what the force of life is. This, this idea of a third part of man, probably not. We're talking spiritual language. We're speaking of a, of a, a mysterious work and operation of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about some material or physical thing that God adds to us, making us more human. 
But if you choose to think of it that way, and I don't think it's too helpful to be wrong, but if you want to think of it that way and it helps you to understand it a little bit better, that's fine. Let's also consider in defining the new man or inner man or hidden man what more it is not. Romans 13, verse 14, for example. Galatians 3.27 says similar. Uh, in Romans 13, verse 14, we hear, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Now, Galatians 3.27 kind of says the same thing about putting on Christ, okay? But these verses do not mean that we put on the person of Christ and call that new man. That's not what's happening. They rather mean that we receive Christ's gifts and graces. When we put on Christ, we're putting on his grace. We're receiving his gifts. We're receiving the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit to do what God would have us do. We receive his holiness. That's the kind of thing that we receive. Again, States Reverend uh, McEwen, besides that, the passage on the new man in Ephesians 4, verse 24 and Colossians 3:10 speak of the new man who is created. Right? Ephesians uh, 4.24, created in righteousness and true holiness. In Colossians 3.10, renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Christ is not created in us. You get that, right? You can't speak of Christ being created in us. But the new man is created is created in us in righteousness and true holiness according to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24. So it's not talking about when you put on Christ, you're putting on the person of Jesus Christ, the new man, called the new man, as if Christ is created in us. That's not. That's, again, you want to think about these things because if you start getting sloppy with this stuff, you're going to start believing all kinds of wrong things that's going to lead you astray and it's going to lead your kids astray and you're going to go off into broad evangelicalism and other things and you're going to think, well, no difference. These things make a difference. We need to contemplate, as I said, contemplation, meditation, and prayer on the Scripture is much more vital to your holiness, much more vital to your Christianity than how to preaching that speaks to felt needs, you know, so that the pastor becomes a psychologist from the pub, or a marriage counselor, or some sociologist, or gives you advice for life and living and how to succeed in your business and all this other stuff. Not that it's not important to do that kind of thing from time to time, but you need to contemplate, and I need to contemplate the Scripture. We need to meditate. We need to know what the Scripture is really saying. What is it actually selling me? And not take liberties to guess at it. Or to say, well, you're, you're right. Maybe I'm right. Maybe she's right. You know, to have that kind of flippant attitude about the Word of God, 
You may have that about other things, man's words, but you cannot have that about the word of God and grow in the right way. So, uh, he says that, uh, that Christ is not created. So then the new man is not the person of Jesus Christ, but his work in us. It's not he himself created in us that's called a new man, but his will upon us, his work in us. Second, the new man is not the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, verses 15 and 16, for example. Let's try to understand what is said here. In Galatians 5, verses uh, uh, 16 and 17, we read, This I say that, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Okay, so there's some sort of wrestling inside of us. There's some sort of tension. Uh, The apostle refers to the old man, to the flesh, striving against the new man, that is the spirit. But that simply means that the Spirit who works in us causes us to strive against our fleshly nature, to to strive against us. It's the influence of the Spirit that is working to cause us to fight against the flesh. The new man is empowered, in other words, by the operation of the Holy Spirit, by grace, to have us fight against our old fleshy nature. The new man is not the spirit itself. The new man is the empowerment of the spirit that causes us to war, to fight the fight against the flesh and win. He gives us strength within us so that we can fight the good fight with all our might. And this brings clarity to the words of Jesus when he said that we need to strive, strive to enter into the straight gate and remain in the narrow way. We need to fight the good fight. It's not an automatic thing. We are not passive in our salvation, letting God sort of carry us along the way, automatic all the way. It doesn't work that way. We are to be active. Yes, dear brethren. Very active for Christ. Soldiers enlisted in the army of God, in the Lord's army. Unbelievers know nothing of this power. This is power. Spiritual power. Power nonetheless. The power of the new man created in Christ Jesus. Human intelligence and human intellect unaided by the Holy Spirit cannot comprehend what I'm talking about. It's beyond human comprehension, beyond human understanding, because it's the operation of the Spirit, the operation of grace upon us, the power and energy and life force, if you will, spiritual, not physical, spiritual force that works against sin. And that's why people are powerless against sin, because they don't have the grace of God, they don't have the operation of the Holy Spirit, or they don't care about the inner man. They're not working on the inner man. They're not working on the hidden man. They're not understanding it. And it just doesn't happen like that. If 
you're not paying attention, if you're not understanding this, if you're not trying to develop it, it's not going to happen. And you're just going to stay the same. Christian, let me ask you, are you growing? Are you the same as you were a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, spiritually? Can you notice a difference? Why not? If not, why not? Inner man, new heart, new life, and not paying attention, if that's the case. The unbeliever is, uh, is only the old man. Uh, the believer has a new man. Better, says uh, McEwen, he is the new man. We have two aspects to our existence. We have an old man, a sinful flesh, the power of sin evil within us, and we are a new man. And that is really the best way to express it, says uh, McEwen. Do not say, I am the old man. Say, rather, I have an old man. I have sinful flesh. Confess with thanksgiving, by God's grace, I'm a new man. Not only do I have a new man, I am a new man. I am a new creation in Christ. Do you believe that? I'm a new creature, a new creation in Christ. That is actually the, expre- the emphasis of Scripture, especially in the New Testament. Believers are called saints, holy ones, children of light. Such nomenclature informs us that we are no longer totally depraved. Something holy spiritual has happened to us by God's presence in us and with us. And this is remarkable. Once I was blind, but now I can see. Once I was totally depraved, but now not so much. Pure in heart. I'm called the pure in heart. We read that from the psalmist, right? Pure in heart. That's not depraved, is it? Unbelievers are depraved, totally. Absolutely. But believers, they're pure, they're holy. They're good. They're saints. Not completely yet, right? Should I read some stuff just before we come to a conclusion here? Let me read from this article. The the new man is the opposite of the old. The old man isn't as ancient as Adam. The new man is as new as regeneration. The old man is corrupt, depraved, evil, vile. The new man is holy, created in righteousness and true holiness, Ephesians 4.24. Renewed in knowledge, Colossians 3.10. Renewed day by day, 2 Corinthians 4.16. Not corruptible, 1 Peter 3.4. He cannot sin because he is born of God, 1 John 3.9. The old man affects every aspect of our being, our heart, our soul, our mind, our will, our body. The new man is a transformation of every aspect of our being. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 
In Ephesians 2.10, Paul writes, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. This transformation is due to the marvelous work of the grace of God. We did not make ourselves new creatures or new men. This new man was created, says the apostle, created in righteousness and true holiness. Ephesians 4.24. That new man was renewed, says the apostle, renewed after the image of him that created him in Colossians 3.10. What the New Testament calls the new man, the inner man, the inward man, or the hidden man, the Old Testament calls a new heart. The heart has been simply uh, defined by scholars and theologians as the uh, spiritual, ethical center of a person. It's the source of man's thinking, feeling, willing, the heart. For example, the heart is equivalent to the mind sometimes. In uh, the Gospel of Mark, for example, the Lord says, Why reason ye these things in your heart? Connecting reason or logic, understanding, to heart, to thinking. Uh, the heart is equivalent to a person's affections or emotions. For example, we love or we hate from the heart, right? Let not your heart be troubled, John says in John 14.1. It's talking about our affections. It's talking about our emotions. We're moved, we're troubled by certain things. We're anxious over things. That's part of the heart, function of the heart. Sometimes the heart is equivalent to the will. It's the source of man's desires. My heart's desire, says the Apostle Paul, my heart's desire or will is for Israel is that all might be saved in Israel. Uh, so I like to say the heart is the core of a person's soul. That's what I like to say. You don't have to adapt that, uh, that, that nomenclature, that, phrase, that phraseology, but, uh, you know, that's the way I understand the scriptures so far. I'm still working this out, dear people. And so I'm sharing with you what, what's working in my own mind and my own thinking. Because this has implications. You know, I, I don't lack the power to do what God says in his word to do. But when I do seem to lack it, something's the matter. And I want to find out what the matter is. I know I can't be perfect yet, but I have to move in that direction. I have to be getting better. If I'm not getting better, if I'm not getting better, you know, there's, there's things in, about me that are getting worse, that are declining. My body is declining. My health is declining. My, uh, my life force is declining. I don't have as much energy and such as I used to have 20 years ago, 25 years ago. But something's not declining. That's my spiritual walk. That's my prayer life. That's my understanding of the scripture. Unless I'm diseased in my mind, and that happens to people, especially older people, but not all older people. My mind is actually clearer now about the scripture, and I understand better the scripture than I ever did before. I'm growing. At the ripe old age of 74, I'm growing in that way. Not in my body, that's shrinking. Not in my mind force or my soul, that's diminishing. But in my mind, in my inner man, my hidden self is actually expanding in my old age. It's true. I, 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 I know it. I'm experiencing it. I'm getting better. And I also 
a lot worse than I ever thought I was. I, it, it's, it's amazing how that, that works. You know, you're getting better, and as you get better, you realize how bad you always were. You just never saw it. It was you were blind to how miserable, what a miserable person you are. I really do. When I say I'm obnoxious in my personality, I mean that. I realized that now. I never thought that way before, but now I realize why you, you know, like some of you don't like me that much because I'm obnoxious. I know that, and it, it is a personality trait. I don't know if I'm never going to get over that one. But uh, I'm trying. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. At least I realize what you're saying. You know, Pastor, you are a real pain in the neck. Yeah, I, I could see it. I, I, I get your point. My, my life uh, has been so much better since the Lord. Uh, but anyway, I just want to back up for just a minute and say that the heart is the core of a, person, of a person's soul. See, like I said, your body and soul, two parts. That's what a human being is. That's what Jesus was as a human being, a body and a soul. But the core, the core of the soul, as I like to say, uh, is, uh, is where the new heart is, where man's motives, his thoughts and intentions come. Uh, the heart reveals who you really are. You might even call it personality. This is why God goes there to reveal who you really are. He goes to your heart. And how does he do that? How has he revealed that to me? By reading his word, by coming to understand his word, getting deeper into his word. It all of a sudden dawns on you. Wow, he's speaking about me. He's speaking to my heart. He's revealing something I never saw before. To my heart. See, uh, this is why God goes to there, to, re to reveal his truth to us and about us. Outward signs communicated by behaviors and by words can deceive. But God is never deceived, for he reads the heart. We cannot read the heart, but God can read the heart. That's where he goes, and now he understands. Uh, trust in God, in Christ, not in man. For God will never mislead, he'll never deceive, He'll never lie to you, but men will. Even your own family members will. You certainly, you know, your children will. But God never. Trust in God. My life, as I said, be, uh, coming to this now, my life has been so very much better since I learned to trust the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If I truly trust God in at all times, come what may, then I could say I'm living by grace. Did you get that? If I find myself trusting God no matter what, no matter what happens, cancer, well, people that I love going, leaving this place, whatever happens, good things happen, bad things happen, Whatever I find myself going to God in prayer, going to his word, trusting him, I'm living by grace. If I do not, if things overthrow me, whatever they be, whatever they are, they rapture me, they capture me, they engulf me, and I can think of nothing else. Well, then I either don't have his grace, maybe I think I do, but I don't, or... More likely, 
I'm pushing it aside for crap. Choose ye, glory or waste. That's the simple choice. Glory or waste. Trust in the Lord. Not in yourself, not in others. Trust in the Lord. Certainly not in government. Man is wasting away. A woman's glory fades in time. But the glory of the Lord shines bright forever and ever. I reiterate, God has not added a composite part to our humanity like a third appendage, like a a third leg or a third arm or a second head. He has added grace, saving grace to our existence. And that changes us from within. A new heart, a new spirit, a new mind, a new man, a new reality, a spiritual dimension that before we were born again, we did not have. An unbeliever has a spirit, has a heart, has a mind, has a will, etc., but they are all old. They're all make up what we call, what the Bible calls the old man. The old man lives according to the lie of the devil, as Derek Prince uh, points out. The new man lives according to the truth of Christ. The words I speak are spiritual, as Jesus said with reference to eating his body and drinking his blood. They're not to be taken literally or materialistically, or, but, but they've been taken spiritually. The inner man, the new heart, the new life, being born again. These are, this is spiritual language. Nevertheless, spiritual reality is a greater reality than physical reality, which makes no sense to the godless. Spiritual reality is much greater, much more meaningful, much better than physical reality. Now, that makes absolutely no sense to the, uh, to the godless. And I'm afraid to many Christians who are still so sensuous. Physical reality, making money, succeeding, the American dream, and all that. Much more important, sometimes, to Christians than their, than their new heart, their new mind, their new life in Christ. You can't get that from a job. You can't get that from school. You can't get that from Walmart. You get it from the Word of God. From contemplating the Word of God. From meditation upon the Word of God. From prayer according to the Word of God. That's how it comes. It doesn't come from the outward things. From the sensuous things. But from the spiritual things. The Spirit affects everything we think, say, and do. We walk by faith and not by sight anymore. The question becomes, finally... I have two questions, and then we go. The, the first question is, we walk by faith and not by sight anymore. Is that true? I, I, I know you read that in the Word, we walk by faith and not by but is that true of you? Are you walking by faith every single day, every way? Are you walking by faith and not by sight? Ask yourself that. 
Am I living as a new man in Christ? One more thing. We still must also consider some more Ephesians chapter 4, and particularly the question, am I growing? Am I growing? I've been born again, and that makes me a babe in Christ for sure. However, by now, you must be more than that. Even the young people that recently professed publicly their faith in Jesus Christ are more than just babes in Christ. By now, you are, you should be. Praise the Lord. And we do not just grow and grow up automatically with time. Right? Not even physically. We don't grow automatically with time without feeding without feeding the body as well as the mind, we must be fed. And that will grow our body, soul, mind, and spirit. So we'll address those two questions some more next time and focus a little bit more on Ephesians chapter 4. Let us pray. Heavenly Lord, we are thankful to be here today. We're thankful to be uh, your people. Uh, We are thankful to be worshiping in spirit and in truth according to your word. We are thankful that you are with us. And Lord, we're thankful that you have created the new man in each and every one who believes. And we need to nurture that new man. There's that point of uh, the, the the. instantaneous thing that we have uh, been born again, regenerated, and we're now new people, new, new, new creatures in Christ, but that also there's a growing aspect to it as well, a sanctifying aspect. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that we learn this better and more and are willing from the heart, the new heart, to do all things well. In your name we pray, in the name of Jesus, amen.